there are going to be a lot of competitions at cornerback in Vikings camp. How does Makai Blackman slot in? Let's talk about him on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You like that on three, one, two, three. You, like you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find this show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, uh, be it an audio platform, YouTube, or even Amazon Fire or Roku, if you just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Uh, and a special shout out to those of you who do listen each and every day. My hashtag every day is sound off if you can. Uh, today on the show is Makai Blackman Day, <laughs> I, I guess. I spent a long time just trying to get a sense for him before I really put out like a, a true like take on the pick. I was really wishy-washy like on draft day. I was like, I don't really know about this guy. I guess he's this. We'll see what I think. Well, I've, I've got, a, I think, a better idea of what I think now. So so we're going to get into that. But before we do, I do want to update a quick situation with Darius Smith. Uh, we know now the cap implications of the trade. We know the details. The Vikings converted $1.177 million, uh, so a million and change, into signing bonus before doing the trade, meaning they took on a little bit more cap space in the deal. That's part of the negotiation. That could mean maybe that's the difference between giving a seventh and a sixth back or something like that. Um, you know, small stuff in the grand scheme of things, but that's the way that it goes. Um, I, I think a lot of people were really worried that they were going to like not even save cap space and not even really get draft picks and just be losing. What are they doing and all that stuff? And that's kind of why I said like, Hey, don't get mad about stuff before it happens. <laughs> it's it's one thing to cry over spilt milk. It's another thing to cry over milk that hasn't even spilled yet. Uh, <laughs> but that's, that's where that is. Uh, so the, the ultimate, Zadarius Smith situation is the Vikings signed him, paid him eleven point one one seven seven million or point one seven seven million. Um, so eleven million change. They got one year. He made a Pro Bowl and he left. That's the way it ended up. Um, they pay that cap burden spread out over a couple of years. Um, but that's just accounting. The point is they paid about 11 million for one year of Zadarius Smith. And I think my only gripe with that is that they didn't do more of that deal <laughs> or, or, you know, they did not purchase more of Zadarius Smith. That would have been, uh, ideal, I guess, but alas, oh, and they got a couple of late picks out of it or a late pick swap thing out of it that turns into about, I don't know, mid fifth round pick, I guess would be the value. Uh, I don't know. That whole thing felt like a pretty profitable exchange uh, in the grand scheme of things, even though, you know, we're sad that we can't get more profitable exchange out of it. But not here to talk about Zadarius Smith. We've done enough of that this week. Uh, let's get into Makai Blackman. So I'm going to be perfectly honest. I'm not a huge fan of Makai Blackman coming out. Um, I probably wouldn't have had a third round grade on him. I'm not going to sit here and gripe about the pick. I'm not going to sit here and say, but, but, you know, Kyle Blue Kelly or Keely Ringo or any of these other cornerbacks. Uh, I think Darius Rush was there because all those guys have their blemishes too. Makai Blackman is the guy that's on the Vikings. So I'm going to just talk about him. And instead of talking about why, like, just like talking trash, I'm going to talk about what I think I don't like about him 
and what the Vikings can do about it, because it's much more of a technique thing, and it's a very much a solvable problem. It's uh, it's not a guaranteed to be solved problem, but it is certainly possible to solve. Um, so the thing about Makai Blackman that I guess bugs me the most, outside of like, oh, he's he's like a little undersized, and his forty wasn't like elite or all that stuff. I'll, I'll get into that stuff in a minute. Um, USC was had him kick sliding. And I don't think that that's the best move for him. Now, I, I, far be it for me to like say that a, a college DB coach doesn't know what he's doing or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. But I don't think that that's necessarily right for Makai Blackman. And I think retooling his game to be more of a backpedaler is the answer. Okay, so what does any of that mean, <laughs> right? So as a cornerback, there's like a lot of different ways that you can approach a problem. You can backpedal into things, you can bail, you can shuffle, you can uh, kick slide, which is kind of the same thing. Um, and the one you choose, a lot of it, you know, sometimes you, you can't you can't do bail technique if you're lining up 10 yards off and it's a blitz, right? Uh, you know, that's that's for a press alignment, that's for a deep zone, if you're in cover three, that kind of thing. That's not necessarily for a situation where it's third and short and you might be expecting a slant. Um that's where a backpedal would maybe come in a little bit more. But USC had Makai Blackman doing a kick slide very often. So a kick slide is a, a press man technique, usually, um, where you open up to a 45-degree angle. So you're not opening the gate all the way. You're not uh, shuffling down the field at like like fully parallel to the sideline, right? You're 45-degree angle. And then it's just about keeping the guy in front of you. And it can be really, really good against like slants. Um, and it can be really good against receivers that want to release super hard horizontally. So if you're, your opposing receiver wants to get like really far outside you, really far inside you, um, the shuffle step can counter that stuff really, really well. Or the, the, the kick slide can counter that stuff really, really well. When you kick slide... Uh, and if you know if you're if you're a young DB trying to listen to this, take notes. I implore you talk to a coach. <laughs> but what I know about it, um, when you kick slide, what you don't want to do is a you don't want to open up too far, right? You this is supposed to be a 45 degree angle thing, not like a full on um, 90 degree angle shuffle down the field. That's more of like a zone turn thing. That might be something you see in like uh, you know cover three or maybe even quarters. But in um, in a kick slide, if you open up your hips too much, like part of the point of a kick slide is that you're not giving up too much of your like wider, like physical presence. And there's more of you that the wide receiver has to go around. Like it's a geometry thing. And so you don't want to give up too much of that by turning your hips too far and becoming like too skinny. Right. Um, but the, the advantage of that is that you still get like a little bit more horizontal flexibility. And that's probably what USC was going for. Um, the other thing you don't want to do, and I see Makai Blackman do it too often for my tastes, is cross over your feet. You're you're trying to, it's it's a lot like um quarterback, or you'll even teach this to tackles on their version of a kick slide, which is not that different of a footwork. But in, in all of those cases, you don't want to start seeing them say there's no place like home and clicking their heels together, right? The point of those steps in all of those positions is that your feet are always square to the ground. 
And that means that you can plant and push off and you have flexibility to react to whatever the wide receiver is going to do. You don't know if he's going to cut inside, outside, go upfield, whatever. You want to be, you, you want to at all times in that, like the cycle of your step, have feet on the ground, wait, ready to push off and go wherever you want to go. If you start crossing over, you can really, really get beat there. And there's actually a rep against, I think it's Michael Wilson. Um, again, it's against Stanford uh, that he gets, he ends up getting caught with his feet crossed in front of him. Um, he's shuffling to the outside. The receiver breaks to the inside and because his feet are crossed, he can't react to it fast enough. He gets cooked for like a 40 yard play. But that's not even really why, like the problem I have with him kick sliding. I, I think it, it, can have some issues, but I don't think his technique is anything like too alarming when he kick slides, but rather, um, I don't think that he is the kind, I think that the type of athlete that he is might be a little bit better suited to be a backpedaler. So let me tell you what I mean about that or, or try to like explain my perspective here. And honestly, I don't want to read into rookie minicamp too much, but I have a hunch the Vikings might agree because some of the clips that I've seen of Makai Blackman doing are have have a little bit more of him like backpedal and break, backpedal and break, which is what I would want them to bring him in and start drilling. So I don't know. Hopefully I'm right, or maybe I'm just reading too much into a minicamp video. Uh, but either way, hey, I'm going to enjoy a built bar. How's that for a segue? Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's been super, super clutch for me. I've been trying to take my health a little bit more seriously, watching what I eat, count calories, all that stuff. And Built Bar has been awesome because I still get like sweet tooth chocolatey cravings in the middle of the night sometimes, uh, you know, around the the degenerate hours when I record this show. And uh, Built Bar is perfect for that. I've got a big old box of the cookie dough chunk puff is my favorite one. That one, cookie dough chunk marshmallow chocolate bar. How many calories do you think that has? Did you guess 160? And that's one of the bigger ones. Uh, that is astoundingly good. They've got churro. They've got all kinds of different puffs. They've got, you know, more classic chocolate orange, chocolate uh, caram- salted caramel. Uh, cookies and cream is a great one. All of them are absolutely delicious, and they will not ruin your day macros-wise. So... Head on over to built.com, get yourself a box. And if you want, you can also go to Walmart and Sam's Club, pick one up right away. You don't have to wait for shipping or anything, but you can, of course, get it delivered directly to your door if that's what you prefer. Once again, that is built.com. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day. Um, this episode serves as a little bit of an addendum onto my Makai Blackman episode in on, on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash NFL. Would love it if you went and checked that out as well. It's free to watch, um, so you don't need to sign up, but I would love it if you did. <laughs> But honestly, watch that and then watch this because I because I talk about things a little bit different because of some stuff that I learned between like recording that and recording this. Um, but the okay, so the the merits of a kick slide versus a back pedal are it's just two different techniques and and ideally a corner has access to all of these tricks and you can go game plan wise. You know some corners or some receivers are going to want to release directly into you a little more. And some of them are going to want to go more East West before they go North South. And those steps can all kind of have their different place in your repertoire. So we just want to expand the tool bag, right? Um, the point of a backpedal for me is that it keeps a little bit more in front of him and allows him to be a little bit more reactive. Cause the thing about Makai Blackman is that he's smart. Um, he he sees the field. There's a play against U, UCLA 
where it's quarters and he's got a man outside in deep mod responsibility. So he's bailing off really hard. Um, and he has got like an, he's got an outside responsibility. He bails off hard enough that he can keep his eyes on the quarterback. He doesn't the the receiver he's going against doesn't threaten him vertically hard enough so he can actually keep his eyes on the quarterback. He doesn't have to just turn and run. Um, and the safety next to him, the inside safety totally borks the play. He bites really hard on something and he is not doing his responsibility. Um, it's not quite a busted coverage. It's just the safety just bites on play action and gets too deep. And now there is a huge hole where you've got a player basically running a seam route versus a safety that is not there. And the safety got cooked. And Makai Blackman actually abandons his own assignment, which you usually get in trouble for. But in this case, he was watching the quarterback and he didn't do it till the ball was thrown. Um, but he knew he was going to have to. You can see him kind of drifting a little bit, kind of cheating, like leading off like he's uh, on first base, you know, uh, and and goes in and makes the pass break up, totally bailing out his safety. Like his safety absolutely hung him out to dry. He makes an incredible play. And that tells me, okay, he knows what everybody's supposed to be doing. And he knows, oh no, there's two vertical routes here. You know, that the guy is not where he's supposed to be. This is going to be on me to make this play now. And you can almost see him start to like midpoint, like he's a half safety a little bit. And there's a, a, an advanced thought to that. So he knows what he's supposed to do. And that's why I want to keep his eyes uh, on the quarterback and keep his eyes in front of him a little bit. But also, so he's skinny. He's a, he's a, a, a leaner player. You can especially see it in the run game. When he tries to be a part of the run fit, it goes really bad. Uh, this bugs me, I think, more than is probably fair. It's one it's something that's like a little bit more annoying than it is like something that projects out to bad stats or whatever. Um, but, you know, it's something. Um, you maybe want to bulk him up a little bit, but he was also was in college for like five years. So, you know, why, why wasn't he bulked up before? I mean, some of that was Juco and Colorado and stuff like that, but yeah, who knows, right? Um, you can listen to the last Makai Blackman episode I did for that whole story, which is a very good one, by the way. But because he is um, a little bit leaner, I don't feel too comfortable when you're in off-man coverage, which is a very important thing for Brian Flores' defense. He's going to be blitzing a lot of cover zero. That means no safety help over the top. So the corners are on an island. And when you're on an island, you cannot press and jam and play risky. You have to play super, super, super safe, keep things in front of you. That means off-coverage is going to be like a really highly leveraged thing because when you're in off coverage, that's going to be when you are, you got no safety net, no seatbelts. We die like men. So you got to be good there. Right. Um, and in off coverage, a, a little bit of a backpedal can be helpful. A lot of times, ideally I want a corner to, to play flat footed and, and not react until the receiver is outside of his frame. Maybe just shuffle to keep your, to, to maintain your alignment. And then, a great technique you can play out of there is called catch technique, which actually I think Jay Ward is actually really good at. Um, we'll, we'll talk about him in detail another day, but I really like the way he plays catch technique, which is essentially you just it's almost you play basketball a little bit. You just shuffle your yourself to keep laterally in front of the receiver. You play with some level of cushion, seven, eight, nine, ten yards, however much you feel like you need. And then um if he leans his route stem one way, you shuffle that way. And if you, of course, if he breaks, you break on him and you, you've got your eye on the quarterback a little bit because you're far enough back where you can see everything. You can make that kind of play. Uh, but then it, it, a lot of times the receiver is just going to try to go through you. If it's a go route, if it's a post, if it's something deep, eventually the receiver is going to meet up with you and you're going to be in his way. So you put your hands on him 
and essentially let your physicality disrupt the route for you. Um, but with Makai Blackman, I'm not as comfortable with that because the physicality isn't as fun. Uh, so instead, I want him to, I, I'll say, it's okay, backpedal a little bit, but get really good at backpedal and break. Dis- one of the disadvantages of the kick slide, if if you're shuffling at a 45 degree angle, like if you th- if you think about it, and I'm doing this on YouTube, uh, you know, shoulders square to the camera on YouTube, but you can visualize it. And if I turn 45 degrees, now anything that is behind me, I cannot see. And if the receiver wants to release to that particular side of me, I'm going to have to turn my shoulders, turn my back pedal. It's going to be a really awkward thing just to prevent him from getting in my blind spot. And oftentimes he's just going to get into my blind spot. So I kind of want to make, I want Makai Blackman's shoulders to be a little more square and I want him to use the the smarts and, you know, the experience that you get playing cornerback for, uh, for four or five years in college. I, I want him to use that and that processing ability and sort of leverage it a little bit more by learning a different way of approaching uh, press coverage. I also want to be abundantly clear here. There are so many other options and ways that that could be handled. And some of them I think are good ideas. Some of them I think are bad. This is just what I would do if I were in that position, but I'm just a podcaster, man. Uh, So whatever Durante Jones and and Brian Flores want to do, with uh, Makai Blackman. I'm super curious to see what they have him doing and how they end up changing his technique. And we'll see if it even comes close to what I thought would happen. And I can kind of check my work that way. It'll be an interesting way to see if if I was on to anything here. Uh, but that's kind of what I want him to do. I, I don't really like the kick slide thing. And I generally, th- this is a personal opinion, I generally don't love it for DBs because it gives you that blind spot. Because if you, you know, if, if you turn your shoulders 45 degrees the wrong way and then the, re- the, the receiver releases into your blind spot, you're just kind of in a bad spot. And uh, the backpedal gives you less of a chance to be in a bad spot. You're just giving more cushion and it's going to make it that much harder to break on like comebacks and curls and stuff. Um, but I think on the whole, over the grand course of a season, that's just going to be something that punishes you less. And when it does punish you, it's going to be for less explosive of plays. So that's why I like it a little bit more as a technique. Um, but again, that's just me. And honestly, it's just an excuse to talk about a couple of DB techniques that I think it's fun to talk about the basics of, especially for uh, for people who aren't familiar with that kind of thing. So um, I, I also, there's other stuff about Makai Blackman than this. So I want to kind of get over, go over the stuff that's, that is going to get talked about a little bit more with him. Um, so I'll, I'll get to all of that as well. So moving right along with this episode of Locked On Vikings. Thank you again to my hashtag everydayers. So Makai Blackman is 24. Uh, he went through the Juco route. The reasoning behind this, and again, I went over it in much more detail in the sort of backstory episode I did about him, but the reason for this is that his junior year of high school, he was a transfer and was not allowed to play high school football, so he didn't have any junior year tape, and that screwed up his recruiting process. He didn't get any uh, any offers. You ask him, he says, college is missed out. They should have offered me. He goes and spends one year at JUCO. Uh, at San Mateo, and then he ends up getting an offer from Colorado, plays there for three years. I, I've seen a lot of people say that, like, oh, he didn't start until his his last year at Colorado. That's not really true. Um, he didn't start his first year at Colorado. It was basically a, a let's get you in the weight room kind of year. 
And then he competed for a start and won it the next year, which would be his junior year. Um, but he ended up getting hurt after two games. So his snap count looks really low, but he just, he got injured and he missed that whole season. And then he was a starter from then on out. But then one of those was like the COVID year and it, it like, it got really weird. Um, but he earned a start. He had to compete for the start every year. A lot of it against a senior that was, uh, kind of doing the super senior thing because of COVID eligibility and all that which like a lot of like COVID screws things up for college players in so many different ways. <laughs> it's like, you know, you get the, the extra COVID year of eligibility means that a guy's going to be in his third year still behind, you know, the fifth year senior. Um, but not Makai Blackman. He did win those competitions. So he did play. And then he ends up uh, transferring to USC. Um, but through all of that, he like that's quite an adventure and i guess i just wanted to like explain okay this is why he's 24 because he had a couple of weird setbacks and his college career you know you want to know like hey why didn't he declare after his third year well because his third year he had a shoulder injury and then the next year after that he decided to do the grad transfer thing and play at a bigger program like that was all um like that journey at no point was was there a, yeah, I could declare now, but I don't think I'm going to get drafted, so I'm not going to, which you see with a lot of those older prospects. But, you know, these COVID kids is just going to be older for a little while until, uh, you know, college players whose careers were impacted by COVID are phased out and we're just like fully past it. It's just going to be like this. Um so there's that, and he's, uh, and again, I, I talked about how he's a little skinnier. Those are the things you hear a lot about Makai Blackman. Um, but then you hear about this like insane ball production that he had. He had like 20 pass breakups in his last year or something like that. And generally, all throughout college, like his ball production from an efficiency standpoint was really, really, really good. And that's kind of why what you think you're getting here is that he's a guy that's like gets his hands on the ball, has a nose for the ball. Um, I personally think he plays the man more than the ball a little more than he should. That's going to get him some flags in the NFL. Uh, but that's also, I don't know, limited sample. I could see that. I could see an argument that I just watched the wrong games there. Um, but all in all, he is a, oh, the other thing is that he's like feisty. He's a fighter. Um, I think that's a little bit of an overrated talking point with him you'll see it in like every scouting report. You'll see the word like feisty or you'll see the word like he's punchy. Um, and I think that's overrated because it gives you the sense of a guy that's like pushing dudes around. That's doing like, I would call Joey Porter a feisty corner, uh, Joey Porter jr. When I, when I did him for like possible first round, he's somebody that would really push a dude around and you would get, you know, Deontay banks, crazy physical corners. These are first round guys. Um, but with Blackman, there is certainly a desire, <laughs> but you don't always see the results. And so having that be the like first word you use, I think is dangerous because it gives you the sense of, oh, he's really influencing receivers. He's going to be a press jam, hard to get around kind of guy. But because of his frame, it uh, sort of hinders that that ability. Um, so maybe they want him to bulk up a little bit. I don't know if you necessarily want him to bulk up a little bit because you don't want to make him any slower, you know, uh, but that's more of a sports science thing. That's that's up to the Vikings, right? I'm not really going to have an opinion one way or another on that. It's an option. Um, but 
if you did, or or if you just gave him a little bit more oomph to that punch somehow, which can be a technique thing as well. You know, sometimes if you're going to jam, like jam, right? Uh, I, I see a lot of cornerbacks, I hate this, uh, when they'll be up in a press alignment and they'll be like ready to go and they'll backpedal and jam at the same time, which if you've got a really good bench press, you can do that. <laughs> but a lot of times, you know, you're falling away from it. So you're taking away from your momentum while you're pushing your like while you're pushing a guy forward. And instead, I want you to like punch into the receiver, use the receiver to push yourself back. Uh, but it's if you're gonna jam, you're kind of risking it a little bit. Now, sometimes you're just uh, you're just opening the gate into a press bail and you're maybe just throwing a hand at him just to see. That's fine. That's that's a different thing. But if you're um, truly jamming and backpedaling at the same time, uh, it that that can betray your backpedal a little bit. Like, I better see you get an influence on him if you're going to slow down the release of your, like the first couple steps of your coverage to get a jam. You better get a jam, uh, which the technique and the attitude are certainly there. And it's just a matter of sometimes the guy is just stronger uh, and and you're not going to get there. So I don't know. Again, that's why it's like, just just be a backpedal, be a finesse corner, you know, be a backpedal finesse corner. Go use that nose for the ball. Go use those smarts and uh, make it as hard for him to find a weak spot as possible. And then it just comes becomes about your own execution, which you have now have control over the rep. I really, that's why I really like the backpedal thing. I generally like it. And I especially like it for Blackman. I, I hope that wasn't too meandering and rambly. Uh, but that's where I think I'm at with him in terms of the question I always get is, you know, well, can he be a starter year one? Can he contribute? If you're reconstructing his footwork from scratch, which, you know, if, if you're changing the way that he approaches it, you got to learn a new technique. You got to make good habits. You got to get used to it. You got to get a feel for it. You got to get into the rhythm and all that stuff. That takes time. And so I wouldn't be crazy shocked to see Makai Blackman uh, sit out for a little while and, you know, maybe redshirt, maybe not contribute a lot in his first year. I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. If anything, that means, oh, okay, they're really like putting him in, in the lab. Uh, and, 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 you know, working on his technique and stuff. That's good. Okay. We're, we're okay with that. If he plays right away, I'll be curious because it means one of two things. There's a good reason. There's a bad reason, right? Either he just learns stuff way faster or, or I'm just wrong. And his, the way he plays technique is fine right now. And he's just good enough to play right away. That's a coup. That's awesome. Oh, heck yeah. That'd be super, super, super great. If he played right away and he was good right away. If he plays right away, but he's bad right away, that tells me that they're not trying to change his footwork. They think he was good uh, from the get-go, and either they're wrong about it, which you never want, <laughs> or they he's going to have some of the same struggles that we saw in uh, college, like, like that Stanford play I talked about, and it's just that the Vikings have nobody better. Both of those th reasons would be very bad. So if he plays, it's either for the good reason that he's good or the bad reason that it's uh, time to hit the panic button. 
But I don't really see the latter of those two being very possible. I think if he plays right away, it, it means that either he learned a new technique really fast or I was wrong and the Vikings just didn't need to teach him one and he's just good and good anyways. Uh, either way, you'd be pretty happy with that. But I, I really see the most realistic path is that he takes a minute. We, we can kind of put him in the lab a little bit. Booth and Evans, it's their time to shine, right? You know, Byron Murphy, get him in there. And uh, those will be the corners. I, that would be the way that I guess this shakes out. But in the Brian Flores defense, everybody gets in a little bit. So we'll see him some. And it's just a matter of, you know, fiddling with the dials. I kind of want to do the same thing with Jordan Addison tomorrow. Maybe that's going to be what we talk about. Maybe we, I don't know, maybe we have like earth shattering Dalvin Cook news or something like that. We're still on Dalvin Cook watch. We've been on Dalvin Cook watch since about round two of the draft. So <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, eventually, we'll see what happens. Uh, until then, take care of yourself. Uh, I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, Skull.